Welcome back to the Simplicity Diaries with me, Kim John Payne. So glad you could carve out a little bit of time this week to to listen to, uh, to this. Sure, I hope it's worthwhile for you. This week I've been thinking about uh, what to do when we lose it with our kids. When we get angry, we shout, or perhaps we just go into that steely silence which you know in, in the in my being at your best book I talk about the the 50 50 shades of silence <laughs> you know uh maybe we've expressed uh frustration we just haven't acted in a way that um we want to you know we just absolutely haven't been at our best far from it and um it's just we know it you know we've we've lost it and uh it's just not okay that we behave that way as a as a parent, and and, and um, we we don't want it, and we don't want to sort of leave the leave the reverberations of that echoing around the house or the car or wherever it is that you are at the time when you lost it. So, ah, welcome to being normal, <laughs> um, and. Uh, but what can we do to put it right? Well, you know, for me, there's a couple of key things here. Um, one is that when we get it wrong, of course, it's important to put it right. And we can model that for our children so that they know that like likewise, They'll get mad, they'll shout, they'll get frustrated, they might even throw something, whatever it is they do. And okay, that's happened. We wish it hadn't have happened. But now, how do we put it right? One of the things um, that that's uh, important is that when, let's say, you've, you've shouted uh, at, at the kids in a way that was intense, you didn't, you wish you hadn't of, one of the first, there's a couple of little steps. Um, one of the first steps is to say uh, to the kids, uh, just give me a minute, please, just give me a minute. And if we can almost train ourselves up and train the kids up to to just give each other a minute, in this case, give me a minute, because a minute or two uh, is sometimes all we need to, to shift gear a little bit. Um, so to be able to say, just give me some space, just give me a minute. Now, uh, as time goes on and the kids realize that if they do give you that minute, you come back uh, you know, they get their mummy or daddy back, <laughs> not that shouty monster. They're they're very willing. Like, yeah, have a minute. I have two or three, mum. <laughs> it's not. A, they normally will do this at the very very beginning of it. They they, they might struggle with this because they don't know the process yet. But just give me some space. It might be for younger children when you say that it can seem scary because it seems like you're walking away and you're mad. So it, uh, some parents have said what they've found um, successful as well is to say, just give me a minute. I'm going to unload the dishwasher or I'm going to do the dishes or I'm just going to fold the clothes and then I'll, I'll be right back. Or I'm just going to walk out the, uh, and around the garden and just, just be outside just for a moment and then I'll be right back. 
I think that's a that's a pretty good thing to say because a child's not just sensing off you're going and you are really angry and they can't help but feel you know are you coming back what's going on so it's it's good to give a little time associated with it because a very little child a minute doesn't mean very much um and to to be able to do something practical even that they can see and just say look while i'm folding the clothes i'm just going to go upstairs fold the clothes put them in the basket and then i'll be right back down okay and i think that's that's pretty great if we can train ourselves to do that because we're frustrated and right in the in the sort of um, the midst of, a, of an emotional storm, if when we've shouted, um, we can say, "Look, just give me a minute." Another thing that uh, I've found can come to our rescue is is something has got out of us. We've shouted. We've we've been frustrated. Something's come up, and and just to say to the kids, "Oh, that came out wrong. Just give me a minute." You can even preface it with that, it came out wrong. Now, this this will come back in a moment as well, and I'll mention it again, but you could mention it right at the get-go, that came out wrong. It, it's, a, um, it's a way to signal the kids to the kids that um, you didn't say what you meant, but it's also speaking their language. That came out wrong, any child, really from the the age of, two and a half, three, is, is going to understand that. Okay, so now hopefully you've got your minute. Now, some people who uh, have done our Being at Your Parenting Best Masterclass or who have read the Being at Your Best When Your Kids Are at Their Worst book, the last book I wrote, will know that there's a compassionate response practice embedded right at the heart of that book. And if you uh, have had access to that and you know of it, that is exactly the thing to do at this moment. You've got one minute, you know, a couple. That practice, that that meditative practice called the compassionate response is a, is a complete fast track to being able to recover, to have your respiration come back to normal, your heartbeat come come back to uh, to to a regular heartbeat, and you. It is specifically designed, actually, uh, for um, use in making a repair, recover and repair. Um, so those of you who have access to the compassionate response um, will, um, will know all about this. Now, others of us have different ways of doing it. You know, um, one mum I was speaking to recently goes out into her small backyard, a very small backyard in a sort of a, a, an urban setting, and goes on a very uh, slow and brief mindful walk, just noticing the, 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 the plants that are around the garden, noticing, noticing the way the, the patio, she has a little patio, the patio furniture is arranged, noticing the patterns on the table, just noticing. That is also another way to do a fairly effective brain reset. I don't think it's as effective as the compassionate response, but perhaps that's just my bias. But um, a mindful walk. Other people uh, have said they just need to sit quietly for a moment and just have that have that quiet. Um, 
other folk have mentioned doing something really mundane, like I was saying before, like folding the clothes, putting in uh, a load of washing into the machine, something. Uh, one dad recently said to me, tidying up does it for him, just getting things back in order outwardly in his office. Uh, he goes, when he, uh, has to, when he loses it, he just goes to his office and tidies up for a minute or two. And he said, somehow putting things in order on my desk and, uh, and such uh, helps me put things in order inwardly. So we've, So what I'm basically saying here is that get your strategy, you know, think about what is it that helps me uh, recover before I can make the repair. Because making a repair truly um, and authentically means we need to do a little bit of recovery for ourselves. It, it, it begins with us, of course. So, you know, after this podcast is done, have a think about it. Like, seriously, have a think about what is my recovery strategy? How, what do I need to do to recover and if you don't come up with anything do access the compassionate response practice either in the being at your best book or on the podcast right on these podcasts uh, um, you'll find it uh, the compassionate response but you might have your own you might have the, a way that you can do it perfectly well yourself okay so that's that's really that's really step two step one is just give me a minute while I Step two is your recovery process and have it pre-planned. Don't leave it to be random. Have it planned out because, you know, we can all pretty much guarantee we're going to lose it at some stage this week. <laughs> you know? um, and then the third stage is making the repair. So now coming back to uh, our kids saying, again, repeating, if you haven't already said it, look, that really did come out wrong. Statement number one. Statement number two, what I meant to say was, and now, you know, who knows what that's going to be. It might be what I meant to, that came out wrong. I, I, I didn't mean to use those bad words. Um, but what I meant to say was, please don't put your backpacks down in the doorway um, because the days are getting dark now and we can easily trip over them <laughs> because you did and the groceries went all over the floor and you said a bad word starting with S-H, you know, and <laughs> something like that. Who knows, right? But something got out of you or maybe you just yelled at the kids, would you please not leave your stuff. I've told you in it, in it really, you know, you've been intense because you tripped over it and you've told them not to do that. That's, you know, one example perhaps, but it's, but coming back and some parents have said to me, well, shouldn't I apologize? And for me, the issue is, is not the apology, although that's perfectly fine. Of course you could say, sorry, but, it's what I meant to say was, because there is almost always something in the intensity of you losing it that needs to be spoken directly and truly without, without the rage, without the anger. But something usually needs still to be said. And it's showing the kids that you you can you can go away you can be really really angry you can go away you can gather yourself you can come back 
and you can reframe and say what it is you wanted to say. Speak your truth, but speak it in a way that's respectful. And that is that is so much more important than an apology, uh, really. Uh, if you want to, if it feels right to mix an apology in with that, uh, that of course, you know, that's fine. But But coming back to saying, I'm really, really sorry, kids, I somehow feel that's incomplete because what you were frustrated with still needs to be worked out. Hey, it still really does. So here's the final thing. Um, research in the late 1990s, early 2000s uh, unveiled something that I've mentioned before in other podcasts. This is part of a child's brain, which is very, very active, um, or not a part, but neurons called mirror neurons, like a mirror on the wall, right? And mirror neurons are responsible for um, a child inwardly um, absorbing and activating and doing the same thing as you're doing. Now, a practical example about uh, of that is if you're raking the leaves, a very little child, you know, three, four, five years old, will come and start raking with you. Teenagers, it's a little more unlikely, maybe, maybe, but. Um, uh, as you rake, they rake. As you wash the dishes, they all pull up their chair, their their, their stool beside the, the the dishes, and they'll you know be helping. Of course, it takes three times as long, and there's several liters or gallons of water all over the floor, but they're helping, right? <laughs> so that's the mirror neuron activity because inwardly, as you do something, the mirror neuron clusters in the brain mirror literally mirror back and inwardly they start doing it and then they'll start outwardly imitating you it's a it and it's a very healthy thing but more recently mirror neuron clusters have been found in the limbic system and found in the in the slightly higher emotional centers of the brain and what this means is that children can actually mirror back Inwardly, they mirror your emotions. They mirror emotions of people around them. Now, what can you see where I'm going with this? This is this is beautifully got to do with if you're angry, that will they will um, inwardly uh, mirror that, and they'll become frustrated, angry, or scared, or just simply elevated. They will elevate because you elevated. The mirror neuron activity can't help it. But here's the thing: is it also can't help it if you cause if you call for time out, you call just give me a minute while I go and um, you know wash the dishes or whatever it is, and then you come back and reframe and you're calmer and you're more together, but you're also able to speak what it is you needed to speak. That will also be imitated inwardly. And what a beautiful thing that, that a child is actually imitating. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're not just imitating the perfect parent, you know, the perfect... No, no, we can all lose it, but they're, they're, they're actually inwardly exercising their ability to then um, de-escalate, come back, get things lined up emotionally, and be able to speak. And as you do this more and more, as you're able to recover 
um, and repair, they will learn this ability and children will start doing it themselves. And that is a day of, of real celebration when you catch them, you know, having an argument they call time. They they, they say, I, "I'm let's just not do this now. This is really not. This is so stupid." And and then off they go. And then they come back and say, "Well, what I think we should do. It came out all wrong. What I think we should do." And then they do it themselves. And gosh, any parent's got to smile when that happens, right? Really. Okay. So again, a little reminder, if you want to speak to me personally, don't hesitate to go to the, um, to the, the request to consult with Kim at the, um, on our Simplicity Parenting website. I love to speak to parents about their hopes and dreams and, and what's getting in the way of that. Um, but more than anything, I hope this, this, um, this podcast of how to recover and repair uh, when you lose it has been helpful. Okay, bye-bye for now.